This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Uh, hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. If you are getting over COVID, <laughs> I hope you are resting and healing. And uh, if you haven't gotten it, I hope you are boosted and wearing your darn masks and taking care of yourself, but also taking care of those around you. Um, finding love in the time of COVID. Wow. I remember at the very early stages when people would be like, Hey, can I still be dating? And we were talking about, you know, FaceTime and all these different ways that you can still date while social distancing. And remember we would talk about staying six feet apart, meeting them outside, leaving them outside, you know, not spending that much time around them, but Hey, you can meet them in the park. You could do FaceTime dates. We're still kind of in that a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I was saying that we were going to talk tonight about a few things, but one of them is, uh, you know, date night questions. Uh, the best questions to ask your partner on a date night. Now, before we even get into that, because, you know, it doesn't mean that these are all good questions, but they're really rooted in um, people that are in a relationship because it's date night with, you know, your partner. But I also thought, hey, let's talk a little bit about early dating. Um, and again, this is applicable to those that are already currently in something. I think that there's something we can learn from all different relational stages and dynamics. Having said that, I want to also just point out that, you know, looking at research and the clinical work I do with people in all different relational styles, the styles that are very different from those can also still learn something. I have really been able to teach monogamous couples some valuable lessons born out of uh, polyamory and polyamorous couples and different open styles can learn a lot from some monogamous couples because a lot of the things are the same, communication, trust, boundaries, um, care, different things like that. So early dating, I, I know in the beginning, uh, we want to be liked. And a lot of times in early dating, the focus isn't on compatibility. It's really on just being liked and getting the person. That's always one of the first tips I give in early relationship and early dating is to just be yourself. And I know that that's a little bit of a cliche and a soundbite, but I really think that's the most meaningful way to move through that, to really assess what are we like as a couple and is this someone that I wanna be with? And that's a very different perspective from trying to be liked. What should I talk about? You know, What should I wear? Which is really rooted in um, pleasing the other and getting them versus how, how can I work more on just being myself and bringing them into the environments that are honest for who I am so as to see what we're like in real time and in real spaces that are honest for what our lives would be like. And that's why I say that all the time for early dating when people say things like, where's a good place to go or what should I wear? What should we talk about? I'm like, go to the places you tend to go. Talk about the things that you generally tend to like to talk about. Wear the things you wear and see how that lands. Because again, a successful relationship is rooted in truth, not you know an early false presentation or selling a dream. So date, date to really know and to be known and uh, not to be liked. And I think that that's actually a really meaningful thing for the duration of a relationship. Now, yes, once you get into a relationship with someone, you kind of do evolve and create this like third element because relationships are not, you know, my life as it is undisturbed, undisrupted, and this person is just dropped in seamlessly. That, that isn't a real relationship. You're going to be disrupted and you're going to change and you're going to be changed and you're going to change them. That's important. Um, but that all has to happen within the context of what's honest for your life. So again, early dating should be f done from truth versus the opposite. Now within the context of who you really are, yes, bring your better self, but, um, 
you shouldn't be unrecognizable, right? If someone who knows you were on that date, they should still be like, yes, this feels like the person that I've gotten to know. Um, and that will help you avoid a lot of issues. Just keep going back to truth. Uh, I, I, that's why I'm not a fan. I mean, yeah, sure, Google some of those things about cute first dates and stuff like that. But again, make sure it's honest. Don't false represent what it would be like to be a part of your life or what your life is like. Because um, then it's going to be, oh, it's going to be a little bit of a zinger down the road when that truth really finally shows up. And then you can't be surprised if things don't feel good or don't work out because <clears throat> the foundation and the basis of this relationship is really based on a mistruth. And I do see that come up with a lot of couples where they're like, that's not how it was in the beginning. And it's like, yeah, because neither one of you were really being honest or authentic with who you are. And so this relationship was not built in something truthful. So having said that, bring as much honesty as you can at all times, but especially in the beginning. And, and that really helps us assess a lot of red flags. I, I really do believe that a lot of times they're there from the door. Yes, again, people will maybe be their better self, their best self, but you can still see some of these things if you really pay attention. We don't want, uh, as I say, a drive bomb, a drive by, you know, <clears throat> drive by honesty or drive by authenticity down the road that kind of shakes things up. Um, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, though, we'll start to talk about what are some of these questions we can ask on date night. Now, again, these are for, you know, later relationship, but I also think you can bring these up in the beginning because, um, you know, I want us to have boundaries. We don't have to anxiously divulge more than is reasonable early on with someone we don't know well, but I think some of these questions can be very meaningful. So anyway, we're going to dive into some of them. Um, and then of course, at some point we'll be doing DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Alrighty, we are back and we're talking about topics and questions to discuss with your partner on date nights. Why? Because we're trying to break through that wall. We're trying to drop deeper in. We don't <clears throat> want to be one of those couples where we don't have the ability to tolerate a lot of intimacy and vulnerability. And that's why like all of this is multiple layers of intervention. All this is multiple layers of transformation. It just sounds like a you know fun topic of like quirky questions to ask each other, but it's really, again, bigger than that. It's starting to establish a relationship that, like I said, can tolerate a lot of closeness and vulnerability and intimacy. It's really practicing bonding, getting to know each other. It's also taking your relationship to a deeper level. So um, 
at any time we can reorient that. We can at any moment realize like, hey, me and my partner aren't that close anymore. Or we've drifted or we haven't really spent a lot of quality time together. So we can start using questions like this as a way to inch back towards that. Um, we can use it as a way to start to honor that we want a different kind of relationship. We can use it as a way to get to know each other better. So there's a lot to it, or it just becomes a fun, interesting thing to do that's maybe different from what you normally do. A lot of different ways to hold something like this. So again, before we even get into the questions, I wanna keep framing um, the process because I think this is important. We live very busy lives and we have a lot of different priorities. We have maybe a lot of different social networks and a lot of different hobbies. And I think date nights are really important. Um, I, I always challenge the idea that if we plan something that it then has less fun because we plan a lot of things and they still are fun. We plan going to the movies and the movie's awesome when we get there. We plan vacations, sometimes months or years out, still awesome and fun when we get there. Planning sex, planning a date night is the same. It still is fun when we get there and when we do it. I don't believe that planning something removes the excitement of it. Very little in our lives are is spontaneous. Pretty much everything we do is not spontaneous. And even if it is, we still plan it and get in the car and go do it. So it might be spontaneous in that moment, but we still have to get in the car, drive there and all of that. So like nothing is truly in the exact moment. At times it can be. Um, but what we're really doing when we're planning sex or planning date nights is we're just really putting in the time to make sure that we stay close and we stay connected. And planning it's a way to make sure that too much time does not go by. Right. And if you are in a lifestyle or in a relationship where this is something that you don't want to do, or your partner doesn't, you can't make time for, well, then you have a bigger issue or bigger questions to really sit with. You know, why is it that we don't prioritize each other? What is it that we're prioritizing that doesn't even allow us to make time for each other? That's not good. Um, and we're getting away from really centering capitalism and productivity and we're putting people first. That's, that's mental health. So it's not acceptable to say, well, I work too much. Well, then you need to reorient your work or you need to change your work. You need to change your work boundaries or you need to change the expectations because I won't co-sign on a relationship dying off or being a relationship of distance and deprivation because of work. I am mandating that people go to their kids' soccer games and that you are available for date night, et cetera, and you're able to take vacations and be present. Yeah, we're, we're pushing back on these other things that are getting in the way of what's important in our lives. So just the mere scheduling of date night is a radical act in our hyper-productive capitalist culture where we want to put finance and work before all else. So there's something so radical in that. If you want to learn more about that, my book, Rebel Love, there's an entire chapter on it. So get Rebel Love and it's a great book in general, but there's also an entire chapter on this very topic, you know, prioritizing people in our lives. So <clears throat> that's really meaningful. Now, having said that, right, um, also... In general, I do want date night to be rooted in fun and pleasure and joy. Date night is not the night where we're going over the kids' schedules. Date night is not the night where we're airing grievances or complaints. Date night is supposed to be preserved, just like sex, to be fun, joyous, pleasurable, connective only. <laughs> Only if you have grievances and concerns and all that, that should be done at another time. If you need to go over, I don't know, workflow at the home or the kids' schedules, that should be done at a different time. Date night is not to be discussing really the kids at all um, or anything else. It's about the two of you. What's on your minds? What have you been up to? What are you thinking? Uh, just connecting, uh, having fun, making jokes, going and doing something together, shared activity, shared experience. Shared experiences are a really healthy thing to bring into relationships. So I also want to point that out. Date nights shouldn't be in the same context of your traditional life. It shouldn't take place at home. Yes, for some people because of COVID, because of a lack of childcare or finances, sometimes it has to. Great. Make it as distinct as you can from your normal routine. Still go shower and change. Maybe go sit at the dining room table. If, date, if you're always sitting together in your sweats on the couch, date night that if you are unable to afford or due to scheduling or childcare to leave the house, at least put on different clothes and maybe go for a walk, maybe sit outside, maybe go sit at the kitchen table for this dinner, this meal, this game, whatever it is to play cards, whatever. Change the context. And if you are someone with different means, then go out into the world and keep changing it up. Again, newness and novelty is not both just really important qualities to infuse into sex to keep it exciting, but relationships require that as well. So, so really focus on that. And again, like I said, there's so many different ways we can do that, even within 
our home if we're unable to leave for all the multiple reasons, because <laughs> there's a lot of good reasons these days. So I just want to honor that. I, I appreciate the privilege in those that are like, yeah, we have the time, the money, the resources. We can go to different restaurants and movies or maybe travel. So really, really, really sit with that. Um, make sure, again, it is rooted in fun. This is not the time to go over the home schedule, the house schedule, the kids schedule. This is supposed to be outside of all that. So it's supposed to be a shared experience, just the two of you uh, rooted in walking away feeling good. So remember that, set that intention, share that with your partner. No complaints, no grievances. Uh, we wanna walk away feeling close and having had fun. If there are things we need to talk about that are heavier, or darker, or more conflict ridden, we will talk about that another time. Maybe we'll get into couples therapy and once a week, that's when we'll do that work. But date night is not that. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break and come back and talk about essentially the importance of date night, but also the main topic was going to be some of the questions that we can ask because for some couples, we get a little stuck. We don't really know how to really kind of open that back up again, that vulnerability and that closeness. So anyway, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. Alrighty, we're back and we're, you know, essentially we're talking about date night. Um, I want people to honor that more. We were talking about why it's important, how to kind of structure it and frame it. Uh, we're talking about how it should be something that has to be able to exist. You have bigger issues if it's something that you can't make happen or one of you or both of you don't want to let happen. Really ask yourselves why. Uh, we're talking about really rooting it in just fun, joy, and pleasure. And even if you don't have the means of getting out of the house, finding ways to still honor the relationship in some 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 new novel way you know like i said in before the break that if you normally are on the couch together eating and in your sweats you move it to the table or go outdoors go for a walk change your clothes um <clears throat> go out into the world in whatever way you can because it's about shared experience and that's why like i don't knock things like going to the movies but they really uh, they're shared experience. And so that is good, right? We're two people on their phone. That's not a shared experience. We're very much focused and rooted in something separate and often not even the same thing, right? But movies are step up. But again, I want there to be an activity where you can really engage each other, make eye contact, have some touch. And that's why we're going to talk about some questions you can bring in to really kind of start that. But I wanted to point that out. Again, nothing wrong with things like movies, but they don't really allow us to connect or to learn about each other or ourselves. And that's why I think early dating also shouldn't include things like movies because if you have time before and time after, well, sure, maybe. But if that's the primary goal of the evening, I think it's a lower level form of intimacy. And ask yourself, if that's really what you tend to want to do, why is that? Is that because you don't have a lot to talk about and you're afraid to acknowledge that and encounter that? Is that because you can't tolerate a lot of closeness? And so that's the way to be physically near, but not emotionally or psychologically? Because that's what movies really afford, is physical proximity, but not necessarily intimacy, because intimacy requires some eye contact and some verbal engagement. And like I said, that can happen before and after the movie, but just ask yourself, if you're always trying to engage in activities where we can't have a lot of that emotional, psychological intimacy, what is that about? And do you want to try to inch away from that and towards a different level or a different form of being together? And that's why I think date nights shouldn't be a movie night. There can be movie night where every Friday night we go check out a new film. Cool. But date night would be what happens maybe before that, after that, or a different night, because that would be when you go to dinner, you go for a walk, you go see some art, uh, you go do an activity that, you know, like miniature golf, where you can still be talking and engaging while it's happening, uh, walking along the beach, uh, hiking, um, shopping, even if it's just window shopping, you can still talk, right? Where movie theaters, it's silent. Unless you're me. I am, I'm quiet in the movies because I think it is so rude and disrespectful for people that talk during movies out in public. I truly do. And I am the guy that will go get the usher to ask you to shut up or leave. Um, but at home, I don't shut up during movies. I allow myself to take advantage of the fact that we're at home and I do talk through them. So that's a topic for another night, you know? Um, all right. So having said all that, be thoughtful. We're, we're bringing up questions that are meaningful and have depth to them, but we're not trying to make anyone uncomfortable. Um, also, side note, I talked about this on the show a long time ago. Um, I think it was before, when was it? I don't remember. Was it before Thanksgiving? I don't know. But you can think about this because uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. 
And I'll, of course, closer to Thanksgiving. How do I keep saying Thanksgiving? I will, of course, closer to Valentine's Day. See, that's the brain fog of COVID, which I, I'm still struggling with is some of the brain fog and fatigue. Um, sadly, the two more annoying aspects of it are the ones that are lingering for me. And I'm pretty far out from when I first got infected. Anywho, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. When we get closer to Valentine's Day, I will talk more about ways we can do something fun and creative and dynamic for it. But until then, know that there are some amazing card games that you can bring just to your partner or your partners or while out with friends and you can add like another deeper layer to it. The only caveat and caution I'll say is over Thanksgiving, I'd brought to a friend dinner that we all had a card game that was supposed to be like, you know, those questions that are deep and intimacy building. And uh, it was all couples. And it was like the dark version of that where it actually wasn't a fun, lighthearted thing. It was questions like, what do you most dislike about your partner? And I was like, oh God, I don't like that. And then it was like another question was like, what would be one of the reasons why if your relationship ended, like what would it end over? And I was like, oh God, I don't like that either. It, I didn't think that they were really constructive or meaningful. And with a group of friends on Thanksgiving, like we were wanting ones that were more fun because there's some other awesome card games with these great questions that are things like, hey, if you're on the cover of a magazine for an achievement that you were really proud of, what do you want, what would you want it to be? It was like things like that where you're really learning about each other and sharing who you are, but it wasn't like dark and tenuous and it wasn't uh, destabilizing. So just be thoughtful. <laughs> like date nights are supposed to, as I said, be pl fun, pleasurable, feel good. Not something where we walk away feeling worse. Um, all right, so we're going to take a break do some DMs, got DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line, IG page, questions, topics you want us to cover, things you want us to circle back to. And then when we come back, we'll hit the ground running with these uh, questions. Um, these are not questions I wrote. These are questions I pulled from a couple articles. And I think some of them are kind of interesting and maybe even just a little inspiring. Um, and then uh, past episodes of Love Line. If you want to check those out, you can go over to wearechannelq.com, look for Love Line, click on it. Bam, it's all there. But stick around. More to come, y'all, okay? Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, love line, every day I'm struggling to wake up and go to work. Oh, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Times are tough. We're tired. We're burnt out. Oof, lots going on. We're lacking motivation. Maybe we're not even liking the job we have. I felt that one when you said it. Um, back to your question. You said, I work so hard to get the job I'm at now. Which, wow, I was talking to someone the other day and they were telling me that they were applying for a government job and that right from the door they were told it takes about six months. I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, all the paperwork, the things you have to hand in, you have to go get a background check and you have to get a physical. And they were like, it's about six months. And I was like, oh my God, how do you even get ahead of that? Like who has six months to kill? You know, most people are needing a job desperately. So I don't know how hard it took you or what you had to do. But like when I heard that, I thought, whoa. So uh, yeah, so you struggle to wake up and go to work. You've worked hard to get the job you're at now, but it's not making you happy and it's not as fun as you wanted it to be. It's a bummer because our jobs are for some of us where we spend the most of our time. Uh, put our energy and focus and labor into it. And ideally we have a job where we get something out of it, where we leave feeling like we've done something. Um, your question says, not as fun as you want it to be. I feel bad for seeming ungrateful and I don't want to let the people down that helped me get here, but I just don't think this is the right place for me. I can feel myself going into a depression and I look forward to the weekends so much that it seems like I'm wasting my Monday through Friday. So it's not much of a question in there, but I appreciate what you're saying. Um, I, I agree. What a horrible way to live where you don't like your job and all you care about is getting through the week so the weekend can come so you can really live your life. It's a bummer. I mean, what I would have done or what I would do if that was my situation is a, a couple things. First, I would look for a new job and I wouldn't keep a job just because people helped me get it. 
I would lovingly explain to them, thank you for all the time and energy and effort you put into that. It turned out it is not right for me. And I know you'd all agree that I need to find a job that's right for me. And, I, and the search continues. Own it outright. Tell them, say, I feel bad that you put the time and energy in. However, it's just not right for me. Apologize and own it. Put it out there. They probably won't care. And if they do, that's on them, you know, because no job is a commitment to forever. And they know that. But you know, while you're still at that job, you have to find ways to find meaning and value in your Monday through Friday. That's five days of your seven day life. You want to find worth. Is there a change that could be made at your job? Is there a different position? Can you reorient yourself to the work you're doing? Is there a way to find value in it? I just want to make sure that you're not jumping too soon. Um, are there any requests that can be made? Uh, like I said, different positions. And also, what can you do with your time Monday through Friday when you're not working that might make those days have more worth and enjoy in them? What are you doing after work? Um, is there some way to take more from the job than the job takes from you? Is there a way to enjoy it? But I also think, again, the question is, what are you doing when you're not at work? Because that time matters too. I would hope that it's not the day is just done and ruined and I go, to, I go home and eat and then just anxiously wait for the next day to come and go. Like maybe try to build in more pleasurable things during your work week after work to try to at least make those days have some value. But I would absolutely say if you're realizing there's not much you can do that you should start looking for another job. There is no mental health or valor in staying at a job just because people helped you get it. And they wouldn't want that for you if they care about you, you know? So there's a lot of jobs to be had these days. The labor market's really a different experience right now. Uh, but I would, you know, you had maybe thought that you would like this job. So I would just sit with your decision-making a little more and spend more time with what do you think would make you happy? While also acknowledging that for a lot of people, their job isn't going to be totally that and that their job helps them do the things they want to do at night and on the weekends. And it's a means to an end, you know, but a lot of us are in that same boat with you. Um, so a lot of people in hearing that question are like, oh, high five, I'm there too. But again, make, make meaning out of that time somehow or try to make some of those changes or start looking. Um, different labor market, you know. All right, we got to take a little break. DMs, always open. DMs come from our Level NAG page. Got a question, bam, topic, bam, drop it in there. Um, but stick around. We got more to come. All right, we're, gonna, we're talking about date night. There's so much more in that topic than what it sounds like. All right, y'all, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And tonight we're talking a lot about date night, why it's important, intimacy. And as always, if there's a topic that like triggers you, throws you off, makes you uncomfortable, that's where the deeper work gets to happen. Why is that? Why would you not want to do these things? Why does this make you anxious? So I kind of love that. We can learn so much about the things that repel us or we don't feel comfortable with. So anyway, again, date night. It's supposed to be something that we have to be able to make time for. It is not the time to be discussing grievances or complaints. It is not the time to be talking about the kids' schedules or the home schedule. It is just about fun, joy, and pleasure. That's it. We're supposed to go laughing. We're supposed to leave laughing, holding hands, happy. We want to change the dynamic up. We want to do something, some element that makes it different and special. Um, and uh, what was the other point I wanted to make? Yeah, I don't remember. And, you know, again, there's a lot of different things we can add in to help us along because for some couples they're not really used to really connecting or sitting in an intimate space and that's why it's about a shared activity but not something like the movies where we're just physically near each other but we're not really able to talk and engage each other on deeper emotional psychological levels and that's why I wanted to bring up some of these questions we can ask these aren't magical questions but they're things to think about like I said closer to Valentine's Day um, I'll give you some other ideas nothing that's like groundbreaking or revolutionary but just we tend to get really pattern inhabited and in habits, I should say, not habited. I don't know how you conjugate that. Um, I want to find a way to do it though. I love conjugating words into, into new forms that aren't standard. Um, but uh, newness and novelty is always going to be good for us and for our relationships. So push outside your comfort zone. Okay. What are some of these questions? I love some of these because I like ones that really make us think differently, you know? So it's not like, what's your favorite actor? Cause okay, that's cool and all, but like that, that doesn't make you anxious. Cause remember true intimacy is being built when we are 
talking about and sharing things that make us a little anxious because that means we're going deep. We're really hitting that vulnerability. So if you're always spending time with things like, oh, what's your favorite movie? That doesn't really generate a lot of anxiety for people because there's not a lot of intimacy or vulnerability in that. We're not really burying our souls or sharing ourselves. So um, that's why I like things that kind of go a little deeper. So these are a wide, wide list of questions. Um, and again, there are many, many different card games you can go purchase that will, you know, give you some of these. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think it's really beautiful to be like, Hey, I heard of these, this card game, or I wrote down some of these questions. And I think that it could be really neat for us to go to dinner, go for a walk or whatever it is, walk along the beach or go hiking and kind of just bounce these off of each other as a way to really learn more about each other. I think this is actually kind of cool in early dating because then you're also learning about how much this person wants to know you and how much they want to be known. Um, for those that want relationships with a lot of deep intimacy and vulnerability. First one that I really, really, really like, <clears throat> oh, I love this, is, is there a song that makes you think of me? Now, remember, this is supposed to be fun, lighthearted, and connective. So we're not asking things that might be challenging or that set us up or set our partner up. So questions like that, like, hey, is there a song or a movie or anything that makes you think of me? If you are pretty sure the answer is no, or your partner might not be prepared for a question like that, well then let's not ask a question like that. We're not trying to make anyone uncomfortable. So these aren't always ideal for everyone. Um, <clears throat> I am someone who thinks in those terms. So if someone asked me a question like that, that would be really meaningful to me, and I could very quickly share songs and things like that that do that. But then there's some easier ones. I think these are kind of interesting, like what's the worst job you've ever had? Um, now someone might be like, how's that deep? Well, I don't know, it depends. You know, for some people, that kind of question leads them to talk more about what they want to be doing in the world, what they don't want to be doing in the world, uh, what parts of themselves they like having engaged when at a career and at a job. And so it can lead to that. And then it can really, it can really lead to some sharing on the other end. So that's why, like, don't be thrown off by the... <clears throat> um, the 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 topicalness of this the superficiality like we're, we're trying to use these as ways as entry points so go a little bit deeper um like for instance i love this one when you envision our future what does it look like like that's a really beautiful thing like when you think about us down the road um what do you imagine it is we're doing what do our lives look like i love that um but again, we're being very thoughtful about not asking questions that really could possibly lead to conflict or disappointment because it's a date night. It's a date night. Um, oh, I love this one. I love questions like this because they also focus us onto the positive. What in your life makes you feel most grateful? Um, and that's not a loaded question. The answer isn't you, babe. It's you, of course, babe. You're the most thing, you know, you're the thing I'm most grateful for, although feel free to throw that in there. But I think it's about going beyond that. Because this isn't about compliments, it's about learning and sharing, expressing ourselves. So it's like, you know, what in your life are you most thoughtful for? Like, what do you, what do you feel great about, you know, what you've done with your time here? Um, and if someone's like, I don't really know, or I'm not sure where I'm at, or I'm, I'm working on that, I think that's a beautiful answer too. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm working towards that, or I'm figuring that out, or I'm exploring that. That's acceptable. We don't have to have solid answers to these things. Some of these are, are about acknowledging where we're at and what our hopes are. So again, don't, don't back yourself into shame because you don't have a beautiful prepackaged answer. Um, a couple years ago, I was with a group of friends and we were doing some version of this. And I remember watching one of our friends get so flustered because we all had really good, readily accessible answers and he didn't. And I kept trying to say to him like, come back to it or say that this doesn't really hit anything meaningful for you right now, that it just doesn't really bring up something that's solid. It's okay. All right, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back, so stick around. You're listening to Love Lime with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. We're talking about date night. I think it's important. I think it's important for friends. I think it's important for lovers. The bigger your life gets, the busier your life gets. I think it's really important to carve these times out. It's easy for weeks and months to go by and you don't see your friends or you know you and the people you cohabitate with, just our bodies bumping into each other because you're focused on work and the kids and all that. And we wanna at least build in some weekly event that, sit outside, that sits outside of all of that. That's just about the couple. There's some really great books and it's a very punchy, controversial statement, but when you really critically understand what's being said, most people would agree that it says, you know, parents should put their marriage before the kids. And people are like, what? Oh my God, the whole goal of parenting is to prioritize the kids. And it's like, well, yes and no. 
And if the parents don't work on their marriage first, well, then there is no, there is no couple to raise these kids and it's fragmented and that negatively impacts the kids and those frustrations impact the kids and are internalized by the kids and the whole system falls apart because the uh, relationship of the parents is the foundation upon which the kids are raised, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot more to it. Um, and if we can't even prioritize our relationship one day a week, well, we got our priorities wrong because again, as I always say, we want to be engaging in all of our identities. We want to have time alone in the world to ourselves. We want to have time alone in the world with just friends. We have time alone in the world, maybe with family members, time alone just in our marriage, time alone just as a family. It's a lot of different identities to find space and time for. Try to do it. But your romantic relationship is about prioritization. It is about you saying this person's a primary member of my life and we're trying to be consistent, reliable, available, responsive. Um, otherwise you don't have a primary relationship and that's okay. Some people don't want that. Some people are more about relational anarchy where everyone's just equally as valid. Friendships mean as much, romantic relationships mean as much, but you have to acknowledge that and own that. But a lot of people in our culture really live from the model of the primary unit is the romantic relationship. And especially when raising kids, you fall back on that. So that's why I'm speaking to that and you want to make time for that but also I want you to make time for your friends. So, you know, that's why these things are, are major, ma major factors. I mean, in some of the most unhappy marriages, um, you will find out that they don't enjoy or want time together or they don't have time together. And the lack of that has caused a lot of drift and that creates a lot of frustration and that leads to a lot of really problematic things. We've talked about that and unpack that on other shows. We'll do that again down the road, but just know that this is just, it sounds like such a simple, small thing, but I learned so much in my practice diagnostically. If I say to a couple, when's the last time you guys had time alone? Time alone that was not about discussing the kids or airing grievances, just time alone having fun out in the world. And the marriages that are doing better, they have a good answer. And the answer is that it happened recently versus the ones where they're like, we don't, we don't, we can't, we don't want to. We're just nothing but stress. And it's like, yeah, I get it. So it's a very diagnostic thing. Um, don't be shamed or beaten down by that if you're like, oh, that's us, that's me. Be motivated and inspired to do better than do different. And that's what this is about. And again, it's also a good thing or a bad thing when you ask your partner about it, when they're like, yeah, I don't want to or I can't. It's like, ouch. But that's important for you to know and for you to decide what you want to do about that. So we're just going through these like questions, but there's so much more in this topic than just these corny questions. Because these aren't. there's nothing magic or special about these. Um, but I'm just bouncing some things out at you to remind you that, you know, I want you to be able to have the kind of relationship where you can answer these things because you actually care about being known by your partner or you actually care enough about your partner to know more about them. Uh, and also being able to tolerate this because if you can't even find this time or answer questions like this, then I don't know how you trust that you can deal with more difficult conversations, conflict, things like that. So we don't want to make too much out of this, but we also don't want to undermine and make a little out of this. Um, I think some of these are interesting. What was your first impression of me? Ugh. Again, that can go a lot of different ways. So be very thoughtful about, you know, if you're one of those couples where you ask a question like that. Um, <laughs> Cause sometimes first impressions aren't great or someone might've known you in some other context. Um, might be able to also learn a lot about yourself through something like that. Um, I love something like this as well. If money were no object, what would you buy? There's something really honest in questions like that. When they say like, if money was no object or if you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? Talk about something that brings you back to authenticity and honesty very quickly. Questions like that, because it's like ruling out all the shoulds or have tos, taking us out of the capitalist structure you know, we have to earn the right to things like healthcare and water and safety in a home, which is so gross. We should all just be given that because we're humans. I do believe that we should all be given healthcare and free electricity and housing because we're humans. That should be bare bones. And I do believe we should be able to be taken care of so we could spend our lives doing things with purpose and meaning, not just working jobs we hate to help other people make money off our labor to pay back our college loans so we can have the job we don't like. Like, what system is that? We do have the power to change that. And we're slowly working on it. In our lifetime, it won't be completely resolved, but people are leaving jobs that aren't 
worth it to them. People are no longer taking jobs where they're not respected and they're underpaid and undervalued. And I'm here for it. The labor movement is shifting. People are unionizing. It's awesome. It's freaking awesome. So more to come. We're just not necessarily going to benefit from the betterment in our lifetime, but we still need to be a part of that system. Anyway, not to get off topic, but I love questions like that. When we rule out all that, we're like, what would you be doing with your time? What would you be purchasing? Um, those are so honest. And some people don't even have answers to those things because it's it's such a speculative question. It's hard for some people to think in those terms and to be that playful and to think outside of the current <clears throat> construct. People, Some people are struggling like I am with COVID symptoms and financial issues and insecurity. And they're like, I can't even think in those ways. So there's something meaningful in that. And it's okay to say that. Um, we're being honest about where we are. All right, we got to take a little break. We're going to come back and finish this out. And then, of course, we'll be bam, 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 hitting those DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, topics you want us to cover, things you want us to circle back to. And as always, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Look for Loveline, scroll down and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of lots of good stuff, but um, stick around, y'all, because there is more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Alrighty, y'all, we are back, and I don't want to leave you hanging. I kept promising all these fun questions we can be taken with us on our date night, and I barely hit any. There's actually 75 of them in front of me. I know. <laughs> We've talked about like three. Uh, but again, it's not that these are magical questions. They're, they're very basic, but they're questions that really are very open-ended and hopefully lead to a lot of self um I don't know, self-exploration, but also self-expression because, you know, we're talking about date night or even time together with friends and we're trying to ask things that really elicit transformation, you know, learning about each other. Um, things like what in your life makes you most grateful, I, right? We talked about that. I love that. Helps us really learn what's important to people. Um, I like questions like this too. These seem really simple, but they can lead to a lot of depth. What's your favorite movie and why? It's the why part. That I think is interesting, not just what's your movie. Uh, some people will say that a favorite actor, favorite movie, and it's like, oh, cool. But to say why, is it because it invokes something in you? Is it because it connects you to something? Is it because it drops you deeper into something? Is it because it reminds you of a time, place? Is it because it's something you want to work towards? Is it because, like, what, what about that was uh, so, uh, why do you love spending time with that movie? Especially if you've circled back to it a few times, what pulls you back each time? Uh, it's kind of like when I go see art with someone. It's not just like, oh, it's really pretty. I like the colors. It's like, what did it make you feel? Um, what came up for you? Why were you drawn to that? What part of it were you drawn to? Um, what does it remind you of? Where does it take you? What do you think the artist's intention was in that? I mean, sometimes it's great to read the artist's statement and then it's handed to you a little bit and you're like, oh, that's what they were trying to create or invoke. Or sometimes it's awesome to not read those things when you're at a, a gallery or a show. And instead it's better to say, what does it mean to me? Or what do I think the mission is in, in this collection? Or what do I think they wanted me to feel? And did I feel that? Um, making it a little bit of like a Rorschach, letting it be very subjective. There's no right or wrong answer. That's what I love about film and other forms of art um, is how we can learn about ourselves and those around us. But it's a different entry point that a lot of people aren't used to. Some people don't sit in those spaces often. Love questions like this. When was the last time you felt scared? When's the last time you cried? Why? What was happening? Love that. Love that, especially the scared one. Oh, then there's questions like this one. Which of your parents are you most like? Uh, so that, that's one of those questions that can lead to a little bit of conflict. That can lead to something that feels a little heavy. So sometimes I would skip things like that. I like questions like this, though. What do you admire most about me? Or what do you like most about me? I think it's okay to get very um, complimentary. I think it's okay to seek that or ask for that. I want us to offer more of that. I don't want us to be afraid to ask for more of that or to just give that. That, what a beautiful thing to have in a relationship with a friend, a family member, a loved one, a uh, romantic relationship you're in, is to let them be a positive mirror and reflect back attributes of you that is meaningful. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> these are cute. Like, what's the best gift you've ever received? 
I think that can be really powerful. We can really learn about each other, especially if it's someone you're in a relationship with. It can help you understand maybe more their love language and how you can express love and care for them in the future. Um, love this one. When do you feel most loved by me? Well, I think we should all ask that. Everyone write that one down. When do you feel the most loved by me? Because that would be something we'd want to know so we can offer that often. Um, what else? Oh, I love this because it's a positive spin. What are the things in this relationship that are really working for you? Again, the date night's supposed to be all the positives. Um, so what's feeling good? What's working for you? So we can maintain that. Go back to that. Create more of that. That's awesome. What are the things that I do that bring you the most pleasure? That's another great one, right? Because we're learning about how we best impact people. We want to know those things. <laughs> These are things that I, that everyone should know if they're in a long-term relationship with someone. Um, I'm skipping some of these ones that can lead to some conflict or disappointment. Uh, let's see. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Also, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Uh, you could spend a long time on those. It helps you better understand where you are in the world and why. I would also just love to hear people's answers because I'd want to know... I mean, A, there's something in that for us, but I'd also, it helps us understand someone's perspective, um, how they kind of relate to the world. Like what, of all the things that's, that have been said to them throughout the duration of their life, what was the most meaningful, the most helpful? Oh, I love that one. I'm gonna have to write that one down. Um, yeah, we can, we can kind of do, we have enough time for like one or two more. Oh, I love some of these. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> I think that can lead to a really cool conversation. It takes you in a direction that a lot of people don't tend to go in relationally. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, when's the last time you expressed creativity? I like this next one as well. What do you find sexiest about me? I love that. I love that. We learn about self. We learn about other. It's very bonding. All right, y'all. We're going to stop on that one. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So as always, you got a DM. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, and re-listen. But uh, taking a little break, we'll be right back. So definitely stick around and join us. Hit those questions. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All righty, y'all. We are back and uh, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, y'all, DMs come from our Loveline and G page. This one's a quick one. It looks like it says, hey, Dr. Chris, I was wondering if you think that love languages can apply to families, I'm sorry, to friends and family. And can we have different expectations for the other groups? For example, can I want physical touch from a girlfriend or boyfriend, but then choose quality time with my friends? Of course, remember, these love languages aren't um, solid, static, or even necessarily real. They are symbolic metaphors and starting points. There are more than five. They collide, they're opposite, they can change. Like don't, don't take them too seriously. They're ways to like get the conversation going and to help you understand how to ask the right questions. But there's more than five. Some people are all of them. Some people are none of them. Some people, they have other love languages. You can have one lang love language with one boyfriend. You have a love language, a different one with your girlfriend. You can have different one with the girlfriend after that. Yes, you can have it with friends and family members because it's really just about what do these people value most that I offer them? How can my friends and family members and romantic partners best feel cared for and loved? And they're going to change. You're going to change. What you co-create is going to change. What you add with one person is not what you're going to have with another person. It's going to evolve as you evolve. So like, hold it lightly. Some people take this way too serious. They're like, that's my love language and that's yours and this. And it's like, whoa, it wasn't, it was just meant to be a talking point. They are metaphors. <laughs> they are just entry points. They are questions to ask to try to figure out who we are and who other people are. It's kind of like attachment style. Some people are avoidant. Some people are anxious. Some people are secure, but it depends on the partner choice. It depends on the work you're doing. It can grow. It can change. You're one way with one person, a different way with another person. I mean, think about that. 
every time you're with a different person, different parts of your, uh, your personality and your, um, yeah, your personality come out. And even that changes based on other things. What's going on at work will impact that. What's going on with your other relationships will impact that. So all these things are open systems. We, we don't really have much of an authentic self. We're relational. We are always changing. Different people bring out different parts. So yes, the answer is yes to everything you asked. And that's why I tell people like, take these things lightly. Some people read books on these things and then they like live and die by them. And they may, you know, it's like astrology. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be lighthearted. We're supposed to maybe just learn a little bit about ourselves. We learn something to share. It's something to talk about, but these aren't, you know, diehard, static, unchanging core things. There's so many things that, you know, kind of shift and, um, and, 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 and kind of like transform these different pieces. I'm rambling. Um, so yeah, just take it lightly. And also keep asking people like these shouldn't be one-off questions that were like, Oh, got it. Understand now. It's like, well, no, that might be what I need now or what a friend or family member needs or prefers from you now. And as our lives evolve and change, keep asking that like, Hey, do you feel cared for? Do you feel loved? Um, Am I showing up for you? How do you feel in this relationship? Like I say this all the time, at least, at least every year, at least, if not every month or so, all relationships should sit down and be like, hey, how's this past month been or this past couple months or the past year? What do we need to change? What do we need to work on? You know, what do we need now? Because we grow and we change. We're ever evolving systems. So hold all of these, even psychological diagnoses hold lightly just because one day you're diagnosed depressive or borderline or an addict doesn't mean you're you know, once an addict, not always an addict. Once borderline, not always borderline. Sometimes it's situational, contextual. Sometimes it's based in trauma and we resolve that trauma and we have different resilience and coping mechanisms. None of these things are forever. There's no borderline gene. There's no alcoholic gene. There's no gay gene. These are multifaceted, complex things that are very individualized. There's no, gay is means something different to every gay person. There's no gay community. There's gay communities. They're all very different and there are other identities change. Is it a gay male or gay woman? Are they larger bodied or smaller bodied? Are they lower socioeconomic or higher socioeconomic? Are they cis or trans? Like all these things change. It's like when someone says they're borderline. Well, a, a female borderline and a male borderline are different. But are they black or are they white? Like their whiteness is in there. Their blackness is in there. Racial trauma is in there. Like these are all very different people and love languages are that as well. They are just starting points. So Hold it lightly. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. So uh, join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about sex and eroticism. I know. We're going to learn about ourselves in those ways. Important stuff. So put the kids to bed. Turn on Loveline. Got a DM. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. Be kind to yourselves and to those around you. And you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.